This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. It is Thursday, and uh, we're still here, mm-hmm. which is good, which is good. Um, we are going over congenital heart disease. Daphna, you're not your usual peppy self. <laughs> See, yesterday took it out of me. Uh, <laughs> it did. It did. Oh, that's funny. I knew I know, this is I I hope people are appreciating the podcast. It does take a lot of our time and a lot of work to get them out to you. Uh so um yeah, but we're troopers. We're here. We're talking about pulmonary yeah. atresia today. Now, pulmonary atresia is an interesting one. Um because it's rare. It's less than 1% of all congenital heart disease and the authors mention something. They say pulmonary atresia, and they put in parentheses, with an intact ventricular mm-hmm. septum. Huh. So mm, The scary one. Yeah. So <laughs> what, is, what is the deal? So the pathophysiology is that the right, vent- right ventricle typically is uh, hypoplastic with a hypertrophied ventricular wall. And the pulmonary arteries typically are well-developed because of uh, in utero ductal flow. And so when you have pulmonary atresia, then the right ventricle doesn't have anywhere to send your blood. And that's a problem. So in utero, you have all these shunts, you're sort of okay, but as soon as you come out, it's a mess. You have severe cyanosis at birth. You have a single S2, typically no murmur, and you may have systolic murmur from tricuspid repetrization. The heart size is normal or increased secondary um, to uh, right atrial enlargement. Your main pulmonary artery is concave and you have decreased pulmonary blood flow, not really surprising. The EKG will show a normal axis, uh, can have right ventricular hypertrophy, will have left ventricular hypertrophy and right atrial hypertrophy in 70% of cases. Now, um, right arterial, okay, I'm not going to get into the EKG of right atrial hypertrophy, but it's kind of a cool EKG finding. Look it up. Um, So if you've ever been involved in the birth of a pulmonary atresia patient, I don't need to explain to you what's happening next because it's stressful. Because, right, these babies are coming out and suddenly there's no more mother to sort of breathe for them. And so they're going to need to breathe and oxygenate. But there's no way to get that oxygenated, that deoxygenated blood to the lungs. So it's very tricky. You usually need to do an angiography right away to determine coronary artery anatomy. And if you have coronary circulation, if the coronary circulation is not RV dependent, uh, then you can do a right ventricular outflow tract reconstruction with a BT shunt. And if you have an RV-dependent coronary circulation, then you just do a BT shunt, which is that you uh, kind of connect. 
these uh, try to connect uh, everything to the to the pulmonary vessels. Questions about pulmonary atresia? No, that was very good. Okay. All right. Next, we're talking about truncus arteriosus, which is a nice one to remember. It means that the arteries coming out of the heart are in one single trunk. It's one to four percent of all congenital heart disease. It is associated with the notorious DeGeorge syndrome. You have an increased risk of having a right aortic arch. You have an increased risk of having an, an interrupted aortic arch. And basically, the pathophysiology is that one blood vessel leaves uh, the heart and gives rise to coronary, pulmonary, and systemic arteries. A large VSD is underlined always present, leading to complete ventricular mixing. Now, what's interesting is that as the natural transition happens after birth, PVR decreases, so your pulmonary vascular resistance is decreasing, and um, there is suddenly increased in pulmonary blood flow. So you can have three types of um, truncus. You have type 1, which is uh, the most common, which is that the main pulmonary artery um, comes out from the truncus and then splits. You could have type 2, which is the second most common one, 30 to 30, 50%, which is that each pulmonary artery comes off from the truncus. I hope that it was clear. So when I was saying that the, the main pulmonary artery comes out from the truncus and then splits, meaning that you have a truncus, then you have the main PA coming out of the truncus, and then that splits into two, right? That's what it means. Uh, type 2 means that both LPA and RPA are actually coming off the truncus directly. Then you have type 3. Um, which um, which is that both PAs also come out of the truncus, but they come out laterally, so like in a T shape, while the type 2 is they come out posteriorly from the truncus. In terms of clinical scenario, you will see um, cyanosis at birth from this complete mixing of the blood. Um, and you can see uh, congestive heart failure as a result of volume overload. Now, uh, really, the degree of CHF is dependent on a lot of factors, most notably the pulmonary blood flow. Um, and as, per, as pulmonary blood flow increases, you have a greater degree of CHF and less cyanosis. And while there's a decrease in pulmonary blood flow, it leads to a greater degree of cyanosis and less congestive heart failure, basically, right? It's just almost like a steel phenomenon where your your pulmonary vessels have a lower pressure and they steal a bit some of that systemic blood. What you will see clinically is very prototypical, a wide pulse pressure bounding arterial pulses because of the diastolic runoff into the PA. You'll have a loud pensystolic murmur, loudest at the left lower sternal border. Uh, the tricuspid valve opening is associated with a mid-systolic ejection click and you'll see a single S2. On x-ray, you will see an increased heart size with an increased uh, with increased peripheral vascular markings um, and a right aortic arch in 50% of cases. Remember, we said that this was a high association there. On EKG, you'll have a normal axis initially, followed by combined ventricular hypertrophy in 70% of cases. The management of the truncus is obviously to uh, symptomatically take care of the congestive heart failure and to plan for both an early and complete surgical repair. Okay. Phew. We're bl blazing through. Let's, let me do tricuspid atresia. Okay. All right. Good area. <laughs> um, 
So tricuspid. Yes. Tricuspid atresia. I think it's it's again it's one of these things that I put in the same basket as um, the 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 one that we talked about earlier, which is the pulmonary atresia, right? Because mm -hmm. these are really impeding on the flow to your lungs, and so they'll they'll mm -hmm. present similarly. Um, so the pathophysiology is basically a complete absence of the tricuspid valve. Now, um, again, one of the big things there is, again, do you have a shunt? And it's, again, same, same situation. You have tricuspid atresia with a minimal VSD, right? So it leads to a poor right ventricular development because there's lack of blood flow in utero, and you're, um, you have, you're ductal dependent, and you require the shunt. Now, a tricuspid atresia with a VSD um, the size of the VSD really is going to be determinant of how well your right ventricular development is because the larger the VSD, the more flow can actually go into the right ventricle. The more flow goes into the right ventricle, you get better development and better RV size. Um, now, um, in clinical scenarios, you'll have cyanosis at birth, and it's another one where you're going to have to intervene early. May develop, they may develop congestive heart failure depending on the anatomy. There is often a moderate systolic murmur and a single S2. Um, on chest X-ray, you'll see uh, heart size and pulmonary vascular markings that are proportional to the amount of pulmonary blood flow. Now, one thing about tricuspid atresia is that it's one of the rare conditions where you will see a left superior QRS axis. Um, it's it also shows increased left ventricular forces and decreased right ventricular forces. So those, those spikes are not going to be as high as they usually are. Right atrial hypertrophy or combined atrial hypertrophy. The management is a bit like you are doing with a pulmonary atresia. Start giving that prostaglandin as quickly as you can. And then for these babies, you can do a uh, rush kind. Is it rush kind or rush kind? I mean, I'm pronouncing it like the American way, I guess, rush kind. Yeah, rush kind. Rush procedure. If uh, you have inadequate right to left shunting, uh, but that's usually not needed. And then if you have increased um, pulmonary blood flow, you can do PA bending. If you have decreased pulmonary blood flow, you can do a shunt. And otherwise, you start again, go through these babies at. Uh, Cath conference and decide on the proper surgical approach on a case by case basis. Okay. Shall we go on or shall we have a question? I'm down for a question. Okay. You're going to like this one. Do it. When we talk about congenital heart disease, we have to talk about this syndrome. Cardiology question 50. To evaluate a persistently cyanotic infant in the first day of life, the neonatology fellow requests an echocardiogram that reveals truncus arteriosus, not what you thought it was going to be because I told you it was cyanosis in the first week of life. Um, the fellow sends chemistry values on the infant, which are remarkable only for a low serum calcium concentration. The fellow's physical examination of the infant reveals hypertelorism, micrognathia, and a cleft palate. The team suspects a genetic syndrome. Which chromosome is likely to be affected? Do you need a multiple choice? 22Q11? <laughs> yeah. 
That's right. 22 is, uh, that is answer choice E, is the most uh, common to, to be affected. Truncus arteriosus, as you told us, consists of a single great artery arising from the heart that gives rise to the coronary arteries, the pulmonary arteries, and the brachiocephalic arteries. Infants with truncus arteriosus present with symptoms of congestive heart failure and cyanosis. Surgical intervention is necessary, and extra cardiac anomalies are present in 20 to 40% of cases. A common association is a microdeletion of chromosome 22, specifically the 22Q11 deletion, commonly referred to as DeGeorge syndrome. Common findings in DeGeorge syndrome include conotruncal cardiac defects, of which truncus arteriosus is one, hypocalcemia, a hypoplastic or aplastic thymus, cleft palate, and immunodeficiency. As a result, any infant with a conotruncal heart lesion, hypocalcemia, and or cleft palate should be evaluated for 22Q11. What do you think? I agree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, good. I will see you tomorrow. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphne and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUpodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.